There you go. Okay, so we're in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're not going to get very far because we have to slow right down and look at a lot of things here. I'm going to read, and then I'll pray, and then we'll jump in, okay? We'll read the um, first nine verses, and that will be as far as we'll get. I hope we'll get that far. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. Let's pray. Father, unlock the secrets of your word in such and such a way that we'll understand and we, we, this is stuff we need to know. We need to know where we're at in such a time as this, Lord. You've brought us to this place. Thank you and praise you for your holy word. Lord, uh, instruct us now and be glorified in the process. In Jesus' name. Well, 2 Timothy chapter 3 follows 2 Timothy chapter 2. And when I say that, I mean it's not written in a vacuum. Okay? It, it's just, there's a kind of a, a logical progression that Paul's working through. Um, and by the way, while I'm thinking about this, guys and women are different. So if you go to a women's event, like a, they'll, they'll tell you, they'll have like, you know, like the East Coast Pastors Wives Conference. They'll say, okay, you preach from this to this in this section. You preach from this to this. You preach from this. Guys never do that. Guys never, ever. I have once someone asked me and they gave me my assignment. And I'm not against that. I'm not against that. Someone say, well, you teach on, it was 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 15 through 27, whatever. I, yeah, no problem. You t t point and tell me what you want me, uh, no problem. I, I'm not against that, but guys rarely do that. Uh, me and Tom went to this uh, early in the spring, we went to this, well, all the Calvary's from Maine, we meet at Blueberry Mountain, you get to take somebody with, and so me and Tom, do you remember that? Uh, and I, I, taught on this text. We, there's about 12 of us, right? And me and about, what, seven or eight other guys use this text. And none of us got together and said, hey, you know what we should preach on, don't you? It was funny because I went first and I said, okay, let's open up to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And, and basically it was what God's speaking to you about and how's the church doing. It's kind of report that way. And I said, listen, it's, it's perilous times and here we are for such a time as this. God has put us in these times, these perilous times. No one's to come. And here, these are the people. These are my shock troops. These are my frontline guys for such a time as this. And I kind of, and th that was the, and the next guy got up and he said, okay, I want you to open to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and they'd give me, a, you know, the business about, and I'll show you how this was really supposed to be treated, and we, we like to jab at each other like that and stuff, and about, about seven or eight, maybe nine of the 12 guys use this text. You say, why, how, how does that work? How does anything work in the Christian community? What, through faith in the Holy Spirit of God, who knows how to direct traffic. And I'm not saying the guys who, didn't use this text, were unspiritual, weren't on the same page. I'm not saying that at all. 
What I am saying is like God can direct and he can get us all to that same place. Whether we're, whether we're you know, meet and conspire, hey, let's all teach this. Because I, I tell you on my honor, none of us did that. We, we, we're just not like that. We're going to do what God tells, you know. Because here it is, like, you know, um, okay, let's go to Blueberry Mountain. Adam, you're, you're up first. You're going to uh, teach and, you know, you're going to share and stuff again. So I, I, you know how I am. I'll, I'll get with God. And I'll say, all right, Lord, you know, what do you want for your, your, your men at this time? What do you want? And I'll, and I'll be thinking, like, huh, you know, Second Timothy chapter 3. And, that's, and others do the same, and, and, this, and, and on we go. That's, that's kind of how it works. I, the reason I say that is because we can, God will take care of so much stuff. We just have faith in him. He, he really will. He really does. Okay, chapter 2. In chapter 2, Paul compares Timothy to a son, a soldier, an athlete, a farmer, a laborer, a vessel, and a bondservant. Why? Because your life, you're all of those things at different times. Sometimes you've got to take up your sword and fight. We have, a, we have an adversary. He's like a roaring lion. He's trying to devour you. You better get in the game. He'll hand you your head if you're not very careful, if you don't fight the good fight. Uh, sometimes it's like an athlete, like uh, uh, obsessed with training. You're, you're going for the gold. You ain't, you're not halfway. Sometimes your, your spirituality looks like an obsession. I always say you should be obsessed with Jesus Christ. I have this, this fixation on Jesus Christ. I am obsessed, and I hope nobody ever finds a cure. Please don't try to fix me. I'm not broken. I, I love Jesus with my whole heart. I want Jesus to be the driving force of my whole life. And you, you need that, especially in this world and at this time. Sometimes it's like a farmer. You're, you, just, you do the work and you, you're looking for the, 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 the yield, the, the crop increase. And that, what do you do? Well, like yesterday, I was pulling weeds. Again, having the time of my life. You, you remember how my garlic was all overgrown? Not anymore. And I loosened up all the soil around so it could really expand because, you know, your garlic likes, you know, loose soil and stuff. And there isn't a weed in my garden today. Well, mine might have one grown up over the night, but I, I hunted them down and I was like, and I walked away from that. I was thinking like, oh, praise you, Lord. Diligence, you know, on your hands and knees. And then what do you do when you're in the garden? Well, I, I, if you're a gardener, I, Pray. Wouldn't you? I may plant my tomatoes and say, God bless this thy tomato plant. I mean, I do. I got, I got a cucumber already, and there's little tiny ones, a million of them, and I'm just hoping for like, and they love this weather. And by the way, this weather, how many of you guys are thinking, oh, turn down the heat about 30 degrees, this is killing me. How many of you guys like that? None of you? Really? So, okay, a few of you. How many of you guys, this is amazing, I love this. I love it. Isn't that funny how, and usually, those people marry each other. <laughs> That's, I, I don't know what that is. But I love the heat. My wife loves it cold, and we're always messing with the thermostat. And she put a sweater on. She's like, oh, I'm so cold, honey. You know, and she'd like to keep the, you know, the house at even 50 all year long. You know, it's just. And, and like, we're coming to church in November, and I got a cup of coffee. I'm huddled over for heat, and she's got the air conditioner on. I'm battling hypothermia the whole time. It's just. <sighs> but I'm loving this. I really, I just really enjoy it. I look forward to this all year long. And if you're, if you're really miserable about that, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I don't want to make you miserable, but the weather's the weather. I enjoy about 90% of it. You know, I, I really like the seasons and stuff. Anyway, so in chapter 2, and I'm going on here, uh, it kind of, the, the, the fulcrum, the high point, the acme, the zenith, I should say, of, of, of the whole chapter is, 
Um, study, is 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 15, studies show themselves proven unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And everything else in the ministry takes second place. If I don't do anything else well, I want to do this one thing well. I want to divide up the word the way it's supposed to be divided up. If I don't do that, I'm, let somebody else do it. I'm doing you a tremendous disservice. Pastors do more than that. They like marry people. They bury people. But I don't think I'm going to stand before God and say, you know, your, your funerals are absolutely atrocious. But I think he will talk to me about how I presented his word. I mean, we do a lot of things. And this is, it's the nature of how, you know, I just thought I was going to lead a Bible study. You'll have a church, it'll be Bibles, constant Bible study. Wouldn't that be good? It didn't work. It doesn't work out that way. People need more than just a Bible study. People need special attention. People need prayer. Well, I'm not, I'm not averse to all those things. Trust me. But I think the, the main thing, the focus, the, 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 the whole, the, the magium opus, the, the big E on the I chart is preaching the word, dividing it properly. And he's saying you've got to study. You've got to, it, we talked about this last week. It's not study. It's be faithful to this thing. Do you have to study to show yourself proven to God? Yeah, but this verse isn't saying it. It's saying keep being faithful. Keep doing the thing. Because you're going to stand before God. Uh, show yourself what? Approved to men? No, to God. Because you're going to stand before him. He's the righteous judge. And you're going to, you don't want to be ashamed in that day. So this is, uh, I live my whole life like in, in that moment like I'm going to stand before God. I'm going to give an account how I use his word. That's so, so important. And he gives us some ideas of what not to do. Uh, flee youthful lust, verse two, uh, 22, verse 23. Foolish and unlearned questions, avoid. And look at the last three verses. And I want to read these out. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Because people need that. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Now in chapter 3, he's going to say the exact opposite. He's saying, what, you mean scripture is controverting other scripture? No, not at all. There's reasons why this group, he says, hey, reach out to them. Maybe Jesus will bring them back to himself. This other group, he's saying, avoid them. Because it's a different group. Uh, no, you want to uh, you want to instruct those. Maybe God will give them repentance, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. We talked about that last week. They're taken captive by Him at His will. Chapter three. Know, this know also that in last days perilous times shall come. Now I want you to understand something. Something. In First John, John writes, "We're in the last days." So. If you say scriptural, this is the last days, you are correct. Uh, I like uh, J. Vernon McGee used to say, we've been in the last days for a lot of days, about 2,000 years so far. The last days is the church age. Is there a last of the last days? Yeah, and I think we're in it because I think we're in perilous times. Now, this would have been news to Timothy. He's saying, okay, you know, uh, they understand Pax Romana, okay? The Roman Empire is enforced peace. To, there's nobody rising up against Rome. There's no enemies to fight. So everybody's, no, no one's fighting anybody. It's a time when there's not much war or, or no war. The Pax Romana. Now we've introduced Christianity. Then. We're going to have the Pax Christos, the peace of Jesus, the peace of Christ, because we're going to preach the gospel and it's just going to 
Christ is going to, you know, permeate every level of society and work like he does to redeem, and it's just going to get better and better. You know those people still believe that? You don't own a TV set. You sure don't watch the news. I remember, guys, I had a kind of, I was talking about end times and stuff like this, verses like this, and he was saying, oh, no, no, it's going to get better and better and better. We're going to preach the gospel until the whole world converts, and then Jesus will come back. I'm thinking, what Bible are you reading? And by the way, he's not a believer today. And I'm not saying, ha-ha, I'm still faithful, and you're not. But I can see why. If that's your view on eschatology, your view doesn't line up with reality. At some point, you're going to say, the Bible isn't true. No, Bible's true. Your version of it may need a little work. No, it's perilous times. It was perilous times then. He's writing to Timothy, and he's saying, hey, hey, it was kind of almost like a groovy thing to be a Christian. People were coming to uh, you know, Christ wholesale, and now there's persecution. This is after Rome is burned. Nero blamed the Christians. You know what Nero was doing? He's trying to like burn down these parts of town so we can rebuild and stuff like that, and he's trying to do it like he's the emperor. He could just do it, but People say, hey, there's people living there. And he's like, well, I want to, you know, put this, and we're going to move the Senate here, and the forum is going to be here, and we're going to have this residential neighborhood. And he burned Rome. And then he got a windstorm. He got a lot of flack, a lot of negative, and he's like, but the Christians did it. And now there's a program of persecution. That, and a lot of people, and we've read about them in the last few weeks. He, Paul calls some of them. These ones here, they're teaching wrong. These ones here have left the faith. Timothy, don't you leave. This is a word for today. It's not groovy. It's not politically correct. I don't think it ever was in America, but it's certainly not now to be a Christian. And we'll show you why. We'll show you why this is perilous times. And like Paul talking to Timothy, hey, don't you be ashamed of the gospel. Don't you be ashamed of me, his pri- Jesus' prisoner. Others are retreating. Don't you retreat? And now in chapter 3, he's saying the same thing. In the last days, perilous times shall come. Is this the last of the last days? I think so. Why? Because we're in perilous times. It was true then. It's more true now. How do we know we're in perilous times? Men shall be lovers of their own selves. Gee, I wish I could illustrate this somehow. Hmm, hmm, hmm. I'm going to have to come up with something. Uh. Adam, this was always true. Yes, correct. Uh, the word, uh, by the way, would be narcissism, self-esteem, we call it. I remember one, I would say heretic, and I don't throw that word around, preaching on TV, that we need a new uh, reformation, a reformation of self-esteem. You knucklehead, we already got self-esteem. We got way too much self-esteem. You know, the Bible's not calling you to hate yourself. But I don't want you to have low self-esteem. I don't want you to have high self We need just the right amount of esteem, right? But Jesus, when he says, I want you to love your neighbor like you love yourself, he thinks that you already love yourself, and you do. You do. Uh, no, we don't need a reformation of self-esteem. What we need is to look at ourselves like we really are. And by the way, doesn't this sound pessimistic, this whole thing? Perilous times. And then we go through this list of 19 things. And it, it, none of it sounds like positive or anything. It's not supposed to. It's describing a time when it's, it's on schedule. It's what's planned. 
but it's not what's desired. God's going to judge the world, but he doesn't desire to. We know that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But he's not a squishy judge either. He's a righteous judge who says, no, 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 this, uh, I'm patient, I'm loving, I'm, I'm, I'm kind, I'm, but there's a, only for so long. And he has to be that way. He's a righteous judge. So the first thing is narcissism. And by the way, we've been narcissistic before Facebook, and I'm not anti-Facebook, but if you want to see narcissism, have a Facebook page. Uh, it, it, just, it just, those who are narcissistic, again, l- listen to me closely. Don't get on my face later on. Oh, I got a Facebook page. You call me a narcissist. I'm not. I am not. But you can read some of his page. Okay, I woke up at 5, and then I went off for my 5K run, and then I had breakfast, and um, who cares? Why, wait, it's a report on yourself. And you have a selfie in every page that you post. You know, you running, you working out, you eating eggs, you... Before, there was Facebook. I used to do selfies, like, because I was in the Marine Corps, and I was, I remember I'd be in Memphis. I got one of them cameras where you press the button, and the, the thing spits out, and then it develops right in front of your eyes. Kids are saying, what are you talking about, Gramps? It, back in the day, it was, it was cutting edge, okay, at the time. And I would take a picture of me, if nobody's around, take a picture of me, and I would, you know, kind of at arm's length and kind of smile and try to look all handsome and stuff like that and then send it off to Sue so she would go, oh, my hero. And you know how it is. I mean, we all, we all did that all the time. But now we can do it a lot with a lot easier technology. And I, I'm saying, if, if we are all about self, boy, Snapchat, you got Facebook, you got all your social media. Everyone's following you on Twitter. Don't you understand? Your words are so important. They should never fall to the ground. Everyone should gobble them up, and you should have a lot of followers feeding self. I don't think it's a good idea. Just, just saying. Uh, I got some notes here. I got them on my phone. I'm not against technology. <laughs> uh, so here we are. Uh, love is a self, covetous. Covetous means lovers of money. And maybe you have that. By the way, you know, people, sometimes I get teased for being like a King James guy. You ain't dinosaur. You need to get a newer translation. A lot of these, these things here won't help if you've got a newer translation. Uh, this one does because it means lovers of money, okay? Okay, you love self and you love money. Why do you love money? For what it can buy for self. It's kind of a progression through here, okay? Is money a bad thing? No, we've said it a thousand times. Is love of money a bad thing? It's a horrible thing. Money's a great servant. It's a horrible master. It will change your life for the worst. It is no good to serve money. To have money, it's great. Does the money have you? Now we have a problem. Well, how do I stop from having like uh, being obsessed with money? I'll give some to God. Not all of it. Not all of it. Okay, and I, th- oh, I knew you were going to be all about money. No, no. Anyone who goes to church here knows I'm not about money. We all know that. But what helps me is not make it become a God, is to give some, a worthy portion to God in worship. And I, I understand God's place. And Jesus said, you know, you can't serve money and me. Uh, you know, you can't serve God and money. You're going to love one and hate the other. You can't serve two masters. So I want to serve Jesus Christ, my master, and, I, and money has to be put in its place. I don't want to be covetous. I don't want to be all about money. Okay, boasters. Uh, boasters and proud. 
And I think this is two sides of the uh, same chord. Boasting means, boastful means uh, speaking arrogantly and proud means acting arrogantly. Okay, but it's being arrogant. When you talk the talk and you walk the walk, yeah, you're not a hypocrite. You really are arrogant. Uh, bully for you. That's, it's not a good thing, okay? Okay, so, so far we love our own self. We love money. We pr- uh, tell everyone about ourselves. We act out about ourselves. It's all about self. Are those making perilous times? Oh, yeah. It's never about your neighbor. It's never about God. It's always about you. Is that perilous? Oh, yeah. When you try to tell somebody, hey, it's not about you, and cross swords with them, you see, you see somebody shrieking and, well, what's the news? Let's keep moving, though. Uh, they're boasters, they're proud, they're blasphemers. Now here, this is like, uh, I want to tell you, it's one of those things like blasphemers not being under the authority of God. Now, you wouldn't get that out of that, but that if you study the word out. Uh, uh, it's not just like, you know, using God's name in vain, which, by the way, don't do. There's an old commandment dedicated to just that. But I'm not under your authority. I don't know who you think you are, God, but I'm running my own life. Thank you very much. And I don't need any outside person telling me what to do. Again, I wish I could illustrate that for you. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Do you, guys, you do have a TV sets, right? By the way, you guys got to... Tell Sue's to hide the decaf or something. You got, you're with me, right? You're all awake. You're hearing this. This is life in the 21st century in America. God, we don't want... Listen, why do they... Evolution is the silliest, most idiotic. Why do they cling so tenaciously to it? Because it's all they got. They can't come up with anything better. Either God created or nothing created. Well, nothing created is kind of unscientific, but that's all we got. Why do they so object to Creator God? Because if God creates us, He has a stake in our lives. He gets to say certain things. So we have to get rid of the Creator. And they are vehemently trying on all fronts, social and religious and, uh, you know, scientifically. Uh, Blaspheme is not being under the authority of God. Disobedient to parents, not under the authority of parents. So we're not under God's authority, we're not under parental authority. Both of these. See how this progression it's all about me I, I'm, it's, and about money, so what I can feed me. And I'm acting, I'm talking proudly, I'm acting proudly, and I don't listen to anybody. I sure don't listen to God. I don't even listen to my parents. They're idiots anyway. Disobedient to parents, is, that happens all the time. This happens in Christian couples. I see it all the time. Now, now listen, 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 listen. You know me. You have an adult, child, and, and they're, not, they're not living in the faith, well, welcome to my life, okay? I understand. But our children, no, oh, stop it. Well, I can't get them to behave. Oh, please, please. Uh, uh, are we 220 pounds? Uh, my kid's 40 pounds, okay? Uh, you will eat your vegetables. Uh, that's all there is to it. Or you, you won't uh, answer your mother that disrespectfully. No, you won't lie. You you. They'll do exactly what you make them do. Not gladly, because kids are like, you know how it is, right? You, you figured it out. You had, you had a baby, oh, he's so cute. And then you realize he's a little midget demon. He, he was so selfish, he would kill you if he could. He'd get so aggravated and so, and it turned blue and purple with, just, with rage. Just, you know how they are. You don't teach them how to lie. You have to teach them how to uh, uh, be selfish. You have to teach them 
how to not lie. You have to teach them how to share their toys. And they will do exactly what you cause them to do. Oh, we can't control them. Try reading a book or you ever spank them or something? I'm not talking about abuse. If I thought, if you thought I was talking about abuse, you should stand up and walk right out. I'm 100% against that. A little on their well-pampered backside makes a loud noise, hurts nobody, and gets the point across. And when it, the Bible says, you know, he that spareth the rod hateth his son, think of the rod as the whole toolbox. Because sometimes, you know, some kids, you spank them, you can turn them black and blue, never suggesting you should, but they'll just look at you defiantly. Some you have to take away. You know, I mean, you know, you, you'll figure out your kids and what, what maneuvers them into what you want them to do. Some kids are defiant. You're going to have to really work hard. God bless you, Mom and Dad. That's a hard thing. Hey, but, the, but the, the stakes are so high. This time, at this time, an obedient child, good luck finding one. Well, they're all here. You know, they're in church by mo- a Christian mom and a Christian dad, or we, we don't see many of them. Okay, we're casting off any, any restraint. God doesn't tell us what to do. Uh, parents don't tell us what to do. We're unthankful. Unthankful, Just means ungrateful. In the 50s, uh, we had 900 square foot houses were the average. Now we have 2,700 foot. Three times, right? Are we three times happier? <laughs> no, of course we're not. Uh, we're unthankful. We think the government owes us a living. We think uh, everyone owes us something. What's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. Let's do socialism. That'll work. It's worked everywhere else. It's ever been tried, right? No, no thanks. Uh, so people come to our country, run for political office, we make them congresswomen, they tell us how despicable we are. And then somebody says, go back to where you came from. And that's the most frightfully hateful thing that's ever been said. I don't think I would have said it that way. I think I'd say, you don't like America. Why are you trying to, why are you trying to rule us? And by the way, why do you vote for somebody who hates us? I sure wouldn't. I mean, all things being equal. You might have ideas about how the country works better than it works now. Great. That's what America's all about. Take your case to the American people. Let them vote for you. That's great. Hate us? Well, you're here. Why are you here? Unthankful. Unthankful. It's a wonderful country. Is it perfect? Oh, my goodness. Not by a long shot. I'm not stupid. But I'd rather be here than anywhere else, just, just saying. Unthankful, unholy. Unholy, by the way, it means unholy, but unholy in a certain way. And, and, and you'll see this because it's, it's kind of starting off and kind of a new thing. Um, un, unholy means unlike God, but it also means impure. And I think it's talking about sexually, unholy. Again, I wish I could, I wish there was a way I could illustrate this. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Is America sexually impure? Oh, I've never seen it like this in all my days. I never thought it would go this far. I mean, we've always had sex sin. There's been homosexuality as long as men have been around. 